The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Good morning, Grace City. My name's Trevor. Uh, as you see, Randall's out of town this week over in Savannah. So we're starting a new series, a series called The Generous Life. And uh, if you haven't met me before, my name's Trevor, as Ryan was talking about. Um, I'm on the other end of the care line, and uh, we're just always here for you. Um, if you need prayer, if you need someone to meet up and talk with you, if you just are going through a really hard time and you just need to know that someone's there for you, we're always here for you. Never, that we're always here for you. <clears throat> so... Um, so in the first week, it's, it's uh, on the generous life. We're talking about how God is our source. He's, he's our provider. He's our source of meaning. He's, uh, it's, we find the whole schematic for what life is within the Bible. Life as it should be, not always life as it is. Having a generous life, both spiritually and in practice, we'll be opening the series talking how, about how everything comes from God because God is our source. God being our one true source for everything in our life, the one that provides all that we need, that in him we can trust that he listens and that he cares and that he wants to supply the needs that we have. We live in a world that tells us that we alone are enough that anything that we need, that all we have to do is look at ourselves, pick up the next self-help book, that that's all it is, that we're good enough. All the questions of life, that you yourself are good enough to, carry your, to get through it all alone by yourself. You don't need God because you're good enough. And we buy into this thought. We're held captive by it even. It's easy to, um, it's so easy to fall into this trap, easy to say uh, even that I know that God created everything and he gave me and he was so generous and graceful to me. And we know that, uh, that God is, is the source of creation and that everything in this moment, everything today in this you know, existential moment you're in right now, everything that you experience, you know, with your senses, anything that you can learn, if it's knowledge, anything that you can feel emotionally, all these are byproducts by God's creation, what he's given you, what he's given all of us. There's nothing that we can do or anything that we create that wasn't because of the grace of God. And God has given all this to us incredibly graciously, way more than any of us deserve. We like to give God credit for all things possible when it makes us look humble. Have you ever been in that moment where people are just kind of, you know, making your ego go <laughs> out through the roof and you're like, oh, so thank you, thank you. I'm so taken back by that. And uh, we say, it's all because of God. And it's true, but do we really engage and believe that that is everything, that it's defining, or do we just kind of say it because it makes us look good? Do we ever take a moment to step back and really think back? 
how everything, about just in general, everything that God has given us, the gospel of Christ is a gospel of radical generosity. Gracious, generous living is a mark of God transforming our hearts from self, from pride, to a godly compassion for others. And the reality is that everyone that you come in contact around you, if, if it's just passing someone as you're walking, if it's family, if it's friends you've known for decades, every person is in just in deep need of you are. It may look different, but it's not any less true. We are in constant search for unconditional love, that, that agape love. We search for it in relationships, and family, even, uh, even at work. At work, sometimes we want to have a sense of community around us that we felt like we never had or we were depraved of. And sometimes we can want work or school to be and kind of fit into those relationships that we never had. The, the irony of all this is that we tend to create conditions for unconditional relationships. Have you ever been in that point where you said, yes, I want, I want love and I want someone that understands me and no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am, they're there for me, but I want them to do this and that. And only if I feel they're doing this and that, am I gonna feel validated? Am I gonna feel that I have what I need? We do the same with the resources in our lives. We'll say, God, yeah, I'll do this. <laughs> I'll go and help the needy. I'll go and help the homeless. Um, I will preach your gospel where I am. But can we do this first? It happens to all of us. It is absolutely unnatural and counterintuitive to how our brains work to care in such a way that honestly doesn't care about what we get in return. But that's the gospel. It's not about what I get. It's about me helping you, seeing you as Jesus sees you. And that's enough. Throughout history in the Bible, we see God provides and gives what his people need. Doing so with so much abundance and grace that it is so mind-blowing. Manna to the Israelites in the desert, sacrifices for atonement in the Old Testament, deliverance from slavery, and of course, most important of all, letting his son Jesus die on the cross for us. We don't deserve that grace. We don't deserve those gifts. We don't deserve that generous spirit from God. Look to God as your source. Pray, depend, and have a God-sized vision for how such a love, a gracious love, a generous love looks like in your life today. To the point where God's generosity and who he is is entirely unmistakable. Maybe you can look back on moments that happened in the past in your own life when you were deeply in need, maybe financially, maybe you were broken beyond measure and needed hope and healing that one day the Lord could bring that new life that you needed. I remember being in college a number, a few years back, um, 
and I didn't know where the money was gonna come to pay for tuition. To continue studies, to, uh, to continue studies to be able to complete my undergraduate. Uh, during my sophomore year, I remember going to my mailbox, expecting the mail and the phone calls from financial aid that we need the money. We need it two months ago. <laughs> About when tuition was due, I remember being so stressed and anxious and frustrated and uncertain of how I was going to get through school. I was in a season of life with a lot of sudden changes that year. Um, it was the year my parents were separating. Um, I had a parent that um, had severe, severe alcohol addiction. Um, he had functioned with it for a long time, and then there was a season where things just changed and things just fell apart. And in that season too, for the first time, I, I knew what poverty was like. I knew what it was like not knowing where the money was going to come from. It was a hard moment trusting and believing that God could and would provide because I was at a point in life where I had no idea how. I was like, I just don't see where, I don't see how it's possible. But I trust you, God. I opened the mail that semester and saw that a gracious university donor gave enough money to cover all my tuition costs for the entire semester. All stresses and anxieties were wiped away. They were silenced. I didn't fill out a scholarship or do anything on my effort. Someone who I never met gave a gift that allowed me to continue studying ministry. I knew that God was the source of life, the great provider, but at the end of the day, I still had worry and anxiety how I was gonna make it through school. I saw that belief in a generous God creates generous disciples. I did nothing to deserve what was given to me, and I am so incredibly indebted and thankful to this day that they did that for me. Nonetheless, the family wanted to help me during that semester to get me through school. If grace is the heart of the, if grace is the heart of being a Christian, then generosity is the brain. We always think about, okay, so, so grace is, is my heart because of what Jesus has done for me. Um, but I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to, I want to go and do those things. But what's connecting me, what's the connection of grace to doing stuff? And that's generous, that God was generous to forgive me, to pay my sins, to send his son for me. And generosity in my life is my expression of my thankfulness to my Savior. The difficulty in realizing God is our source is when our anxieties and our insecurities distance us from depending on God for our daily bread. Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, it bears this truth of this crux in our life. It starts in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was, dre- was dressed like one of these. If that, is ha- if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. Jesus addresses worry when we see uncertainty and what we have in consideration to what we want and sometimes what we need, and it's, it's hard when we want these things to come in fruition, and it's not in the season or the timing that we think we need. This is an increasingly relevant issue that, that has an enormous amount of burden and pressure in our lives, especially today. How can we not feel stress and worry when we have never known a day that wasn't weighed down by debt, living paycheck to paycheck, a stifling mortgage, loans that you just, you don't see the other side of. Living in a world where all, where all this is normal, if, and even so for many, it can feel like that the only way to get by is to be um, held captive by the anxiety of debt. Anxiety is fear. Fear that what is today or tomorrow is not what my life is, what I want my life to be, or the quality of life that I want. Whatever the case may be, worry reduces the size of the cross in our lives. We know that God, know that God loves you deeply, that he wants you not to be captive by worry and self-doubt. His ways are not our ways. What he seeks is different than what we seek. What he provides is more than what we can provide. I pray that you would find that very comforting today. Here's the first point. God seeks more than performance. Psalms 50 verse eight says this, I bring no charge against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. In the Psalm we see that the performance aspect of sacrifices was supplied and supplied well. The doing was good. They have been given and provided. As Nancy read in the verses, we see this was not enough. That this alone is not what God seeks for man, from his followers, from his disciples. This begs the critical question, what does God seek for me? What does God want for me? If performance isn't everything, What am I missing? Sacrifice in the Old Testament, so at that point, um, animals were sacrificed. Uh, Your sins, they would literally, like you'd have the calf up there and they put their hands on it and your sins literally were transmitted to the calf and it was killed. And it was like a blood offering. And uh, so a lot, and, and a lot of times, you know, we kind of get this idea that, okay, like 
that calf was for God because I'm making the sacrifice for God. But the reality is that the sacrifice is for man. The sacrifice is for, for what man is depraved of and what he needs. He knows that he's sinful. But sometimes we forget that even in these moments, even in the Old Testament, sometimes we, we forget to see that God is incredibly, incredibly generous. This is a perfect example of God as our source and a perfect example of generosity that he wants man to be with him, that he wants man not to be chained down with no hope and to, to be stuck in sin and to death, but he wants to give man life. He wants to give man what he doesn't deserve. This verse in Psalm does a really good job of asking the question, okay, so we did all this stuff, but um, we're missing. Like, what am I missing? I did what you told me to do. Isn't that good enough? And Micah um, chapter six has a really good answer to the question. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We see what bears most important in the eyes of God. In your life, see God as your source, not just where you find who you are or where your needs will be met, but most importantly in this question too, how do I live? Walk with the Lord humbly. We can be honest that if it was our preference and what we seek in others, it's all performance. You, know, you, you look at, it, at your job and at your work, everything's performance-based. And that's comfortable and easy. It gives me a very easy paradigm to know how am I successful. We judge, we not only judge people in performance, you know, not just how well have you done, but we even get it to the point where, what have you done for me lately? Like, okay, that was like a year ago. Well, you need to, to kind of, you know, perform again. And for us, we unintentionally, we gauge everything based on performance. What did you do? We, we never... We never understand or even maybe in some cases even care what the why or the heart of the matter is. Only by God in this verse do we know what good is. Only by God do we know what love is, what mercy is, what compassion is. Think about the moment in, in your life when you, were, when you were at a breaking, whatever that may have been, maybe a loss in the family, maybe some hard transitions, some quick changes. I pray that the gospel of Christ, the gospel of generosity, the gospel carried you through that time and that moment. Tim Keller wrote this, as many have learned and later taught, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. 
living with a mindset that elevates performance above everything else will put you in a place that we see ourselves not the way God does. And just simply doing doesn't mean your worship is ever heartfelt or true in your spirit. Maybe you're at work and you have that coworker who, uh, you know, does everything perfectly. But then, you know, when they get back to the office, they're like, oh my, oh my gosh, I hate my job. Oh man, I'm so glad I'm leaving here. But it's like, okay, you're, you're doing really good and, and you're probably making more money than I am. Like, why are you so mad? <laughs> Sometimes it takes a moment of loss or change to realize that Jesus is the very source of our lives. Doing hospital ministry, this was something I saw in the lives of many families. It's easy not to fully appreciate and value what Jesus means in your life when you can just go through the motions. Just performing in your spirituality, not having to depend and abide in the Lord in the darkest moments of your life. After Jesus carries you through those moments and you see that he is all you have and all you need, you will be freed from the pressure of performance and that by walking in the Lord daily in his generous spirit, you will find rest. A rest the world cannot offer, it's a rest the world doesn't understand. God wants hearts that are set on him. Here's the second point. God owns everything. Psalms 50, 10 through 12 says this. This can be, uh, sorry. (laughs) For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. This is a hard thing to, to wrestle with and grasp. In the psalm, God reminds the people that he owns all creation. We forget that if it weren't for him, what we know and experience and have, it wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be. We can unintentionally live in such a way that we put God in this box where we live like he's a genie and we get our three wishes, and then we wish for three more, (laughs) right? And sometimes even worse than that example, spiritually, we live in such a way that we pretend or even may think that in our relationship with God, God is the servant. We, we believe, we elevate ourselves to a point where we expect God to do exactly what we say and how we say it and in the timing that we want it. It's because Christ is so generous and showed us what a servant heart looks like. Sometimes we apply that in a way that we want to put Jesus below us. We misunderstand the power of God when we, uh, when we see what we have coming from us first and then God's second. We're more worried about, okay, well, this is what I'm dealing with today. And uh, when it's convenient, God will be a part of that too. God is not like the other deities at this, in antiquity uh, that were worshiped 
Uh, if you study the practices of many cultures uh, centuries and millennia ago, you see in those religions, a deity needed worship and sacrifice. Without those provided, the deity would not exist. They would die according to those religions. Worship was a transaction. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. It was a symbiotic relationship where a deity literally needed people or he wouldn't exist anymore. So even in that kind of religion, you see purely performance. But how can you rely on a deity if they can't provide anything for you because they need you? The God of the Bible is unique. The God of the Bible is different than this. He's unique. He's all-powerful and can protect, provide, and love you because he has what we don't have. He's capable of things we're not capable of. It is beyond human comprehension that God being perfect in power, that he would, chill, he would still choose to give what we don't deserve. That he would choose to be a generous God. Thomas Aquinas wrote this, and I think it's really insightful and just, it's a quote I think everyone just really needs to hear and wrestle with at some point. The things that we love tell us what we are. On the practical side, we need to turn things introspectively. If we know God is sovereign over all things, over all creation, that he gives us life, that he gave us the means to have the job we have, the place we live in, the food and water we eat and drink, how much of our life and what we build up connect to God's goodness? Do we see generosity as, uh, as a spiritual discipline? When we see a great need in our family, our friends, our church, our city, do we want to provide and care in whatever way possible with nothing to gain for ourselves? Is the question in our hearts, and our spirits, how much do I give? Or is it, well, how much do I keep? Because I really want to help people. I really want to be there for them. I really am compassionate about what they're going through. Haggai uh, 2, 8 through 9 says this. The spirit, or the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. This further stresses what Psalms 50 is, is telling us about God's ownership. God doesn't just have ownership over creation, but he has ownership on what his creation creates. And of course they'll create because they're made in his image. So it just kind of happens. The problem is, is that we don't want to give that ownership willingly. Sometimes we have to be humbled by not having as much for a season. Sometimes we get to a point where we understand that we weren't the person that our family needed because, yeah, we may have provided all they needed, but because I was so worried on providing, I didn't give them what they needed the most. And that was a present parent in the house. 
1 Chronicles 29, 12 through 16 um, also connects to this. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hands. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all of our ancestors. Our days on the earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of that belongs to you. This is a great picture of a heart that understands that it is only through God that the wonderful things in life that I have and experience are because of God, that he owns that, that he's the source, that he provided that for me. Recognizing that God gives abundantly and generously will create a heart of true thanksgiving for what God has done. The gifts, whatever it may be, talent, skill, finances, whatever it is uh, here on earth, all of these things belong to God because he provided the, the possibility for all these things. Not every person is given the same. We see this from the parable of the tenants. The importance isn't so much about what you have in terms of quantity of talents or stuff, the importance is choosing to see that I am living in God's kingdom and I choose to let the kingdom influence my path in life. As mentioned earlier, yes, God gave man dominion, mastership over the creation of the earth. The question is, do we choose to give God dominion over our lives? Do we let him take our few, our small, and make it plenty or much? Where you choose to give or invest will say much about what kingdom exists in your heart. Is it the kingdom of God or is it the, the kingdom of man? Do we just build up this castle where everything outside of the structure, we just, okay, well, I'm protected. I don't have to think about that because I'm safe in this little structure of mine. Point three is call upon the Lord. Psalms 50, 14, 14 through 15 says this. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Living the generous life of the gospel will echo that we know we are not enough. We need God, we need, to understand, we, we need to understand only by what he has already done, that we have perfect hope. Have thanks and allow the generous love of God to mold and to shape you into a vessel of thanksgiving and generosity that cares and loves with no borders and with no biases. Call on God's name and he will deliver you. Only through him can the brokenness and anxiety that we cannot break, it will soon wither away. Honoring God and giving sacrificially from our lives teaches us what is important. 
what's worth giving out of our plenty, whatever that looks like for you. We have to be honest and ask, do we live like the one that bore our sins on the cross is worth having just a couple scrapes and bruises over, even after he was tortured and died for us, having no wrongdoing on his own part. Thanksgiving is not, it's not speech. It's a learned behavior and characteristic. Romans 10, 12 through 13 says this, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is reassuring that God doesn't have the biases that we have. He sees you as you are and loves you deeply. Call on his name and he will richly bless you. He hears your prayers and your pains when you call out to him. The Lord will save you from the lies that this world preaches. Does this mean by having a prayer that your bank account will be everything that you dreamed of, everything that you want, or that you're going to get that promotion next week even though you didn't interview yet, or find the person you have searched for your entire life? No, no, it doesn't. God will bless you with what you need. He has freedom and peace for you. Anxieties will be stilled like calm waters and a purpose that no amount of money can buy. Desire tells us what our soul really yearns for. Martin Luther had a really good, good stuff to say here. <laughs> I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. This is the sad truth of the human condition in a nutshell. Even if today you hold many things in your hand and you have accomplished great and amazing things, perfecting the very American dream, at the end of this journey, you will take with you no more than any other person. All things in this world wither and they pass away. The only things that never die are from the man who conquered death. That he generously gave up Jesus is our source. Know that you don't need to have the worry and fear that the world preaches to you. Jesus has overcome the world. And that if, if your life is a kingdom life, the relationships, the discipleship, the spirit-filled community, it'll never pass away. Here are a couple uh, takeaways as we transition to more practical stuff with a generous spirit or because of a generous spirit, personal sacrifice is a joy, it's not a burden. Giving from our lives should, should bear no burden to ourselves. It is an opportunity to be gospel-centric in a practical and very tangible way of giving up a little. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be filled with regret or even something that you pray, God, I, I really wish you didn't ask me to be generous. This is really inconvenient. <laughs> think about your family. Think of, if you have kids, think of your kids. If you had, and I pray, a, a great family, think of them. When you were in need and you had to ask for something, however little, however big, 
with a burdened heart when you were in need? Did they, and you asked them, hey mom, I, uh, I need some help with this. I'm kind of behind on my bills or um, I'm really hungry. I need food. <laughs> um, did they say, oh, you know, I, uh, I gave you X amount of dollars, so you're gonna have to wait till next month. Or was that how it was? I, I pray it wasn't. Um, I hope that they said, of course, I want, I want to provide that for you. I want to give that for you. I want to give you more than what you need. I want to give more than just what you need. Why do you feel that way? I would say it's the gospel working through you. It's God's image and example that he wants to be generous and give us way more than we deserve, way more than we can understand, even more than we can appreciate. This is what it means to embrace generosity, to adopt God's ways as our ways, to see people the very same way that he does, that no matter how broken or hard to love that they are, they're children of God. They are worth sacrificing for. If God sees value in them and that they are worth sacrificing for, how can we as his disciples not see that value? Giving is a spiritual discipline that connects to a kingdom perspective, and that's practical ministry. Here's a second takeaway. Have a gracious disposition no matter what season of life you're in. Your disposition is an incredibly important part of who you are. Having a humble disposition speaks to how the gospel is transforming your life. Jesus was a humble person. By his example, that means we should strive to be humble people as well. Disposition shows you what your inner spirit is really like. I remember when uh, I did hospital ministry and uh, I was meeting with my mentor who was way smarter and wiser than I was. And uh, he said, it is, it is critically important that when you enter a hospital room, that the presence that you have and portray, that, that the people that don't know God, they don't know the Holy Spirit, that they would experience the Holy Spirit in that moment. There's like people you would talk to that, that you know, were in the hospital and they were admitted and uh, you would talk with them and maybe pray if they were open to that. And they say, I don't really know why, but I know that you really do care about me and what I'm going through. Why is that? People that don't understand the Lord, why, why is it hard to grasp that other people care about them even if they don't know them, even if, you know, they haven't been with them on this journey to know what they're about this pain and suffering they're going through. Why is it hard to understand why people legitimately are concerned and have compassion without knowing someone? Have a disposition that shows by the grace of God, I am where I am today. I have what I have. I pray that that presence within that disposition is a generous and gracious one. One that not only invites where you're approachable and people are like, oh, I could talk to this person, but one that people know that when they do talk to you, when they do talk to you or they ask you or they want to connect about what's going on, that you're not just going to hear what they say or say, okay, okay, I hear what you're saying, but it's actually going to say, no, I want to, man, what can I do? Um, I want to I be there. I want to help you. I, I want to I be for you what Jesus has been for me and, and my life. And it doesn't make sense. It's crazy. But um, I want to help you with nothing to gain for no, 
in the world's mind and eyes for no purpose, but it's a kingdom purpose. The last takeaway is see God's seal on everything. Haggai 2.23 says, On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. Let the name of God be on everything in your life. God has chosen you. He has chosen to be generous and to sacrifice for you. Everything is from God. Everything belongs to God. To be a good steward means to treat everything God has blessed you with as though he physically put it in your hands and it was a keepsake. And he said, take care of this. Treat everything God has created with dignity. Treat it with respect. Give as Give with as generously as the Lord has given to you, where you realize, I don't deserve what I have. I don't, I don't understand, like grace is so beyond what I can comprehend that not just that you would want to give, but you would want to give everything. Be generous just as God is generous. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you that, uh, that you love us in such a way that, that is beyond our understanding, that, uh, that we know that, that you've, you've been so gracious, you've given us so much. Lord, we pray just, just as we learn more and more through this series, that we embrace the generous life, that, um, that we aren't, our identity isn't in our stuff, the stuff that we have, but the stuff that you've given us, stuff that, that this world can't own, stuff that this world can't take away, Lord. We pray for that peace, for that strength. Lord, we, we thank you that, that you're, you're so merciful, that you've given us so much. Lord, we, we pray, especially in, uh, into the holidays to come, that, that Thanksgiving just isn't, isn't something we say, isn't just a, a holiday, but Thanksgiving is literally our spiritual posture and is who we are and a response to hearts so filled with joy that you have chosen to give to give what you've given us. And we're so moved and we're so humbled by all of that, Lord. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.